Eglantine, Eglantine, oh, how you'll shine. Your lot and my lot have got to combine. Eglantine, Eglantine, hark to the stars. Destiny calls us, the future is ours. As Hello and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Ashley. And I'm Matt. And this is another in our series of 31 Days of Halloween, where each day in October we discuss a movie that's in the horror, thriller, suspense, or musical comedy genre. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's also Angela Lansbury's birthday today, and she played, memorably, she played a witch in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and Matt's going to tell us about it. Yeah, Bedknobs and Broomsticks came out in 1971, um, and it does star Angela Lansbury as Eglantine Price. She wants to be a witch. She has uh, sent away for correspondence from Emilia, Professor Amelia Brown's School of Witchcraft, and uh, she also has taken on a trio of children. Because it's uh, World War II is ramping up in England, mm-hmm. and um, the Blitz is happening in London, and um, so these these children are kind of um, seconded to her. She 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 becomes their sort of mother for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, she receives notice that Amelia Brown's school is closing down, and it's right before she gets this big final spell that she's been wanting. Yes, um, so. She decides to take her and the children um, to London to look for him, and they travel by bed. <laughs> and then she creates an enchanted bed knob using one of the spells, and that's mm-hmm. how they get around. And yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the setup. So I, I, I loved this movie as a kid. Absolutely loved it. Um, and you know, the, the movies that you loved as a child, they don't always age well. But, you know, I think this one has aged pretty well. I still enjoy watching it. A great deal. Um, it kind of, it always seems to exist in the shadow of Mary Poppins, which is another movie that I loved. Um, it, it came out, you know, several years before this movie um, and was a big hit. This one also features, you know, a woman in the lead and it features, she has, you know, these magical abilities and there's children involved. So there are some similarities between the movies. Um, but this one, I think, is its, very, is its own thing. Um, it has its own feel to it, you know, in the, in, a, in the same way that I think Mary Poppins manages to create this storybook, magical, wondrous quality. I think this movie does, too, but it has its own unique kind of feel. Um, I, I absolutely love uh, Angela Lansbury in this. I think she's um, just so charming and she has a, a very nice singing voice and... Um, of course, uh, her co-star in this is David Tomlinson, another connection to Mary Poppins. But in this, he's, uh, he's the professor, Emilius Brown. He's, he's not, not completely an honest person, but you come, he comes to realize, you know, his, you know, how his dishonesty is not, is not who he really is. And and he's a very interesting character and he's just very, I love David Tomlinson. When I was a kid, I thought David Tomlinson was like the biggest star because he was in my three favorite movies that I watched over and over again, all Disney films, Mary Poppins, this movie, and The Love Bug. It's interesting you mention that because so another connection this movie has to Mary Poppins is the same director, uh, okay. Robert Stevenson, who also directed The Love Bug. That's amazing. <laughs> I love all three of those movies. And I think David Tomlinson is just kind of overrated. I mean, no one talks about him. but Underrated, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Uh, yeah, he's sort of an unsung hero of Disney films, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I adore this movie. I, I watched it a lot as a kid. Um, but I've always kind of had this contrarian streak. And while I won't, you know, I, I'm, I'm, never, I'm not ever, um, you know, dishonest about what I like. So um, I won't say that I like something if I don't. Mm-hmm. But if I like something and I like something else... And that something else is the thing that everyone else likes. Yeah. <laughs> then, kind of by default, my preference will be to the other thing. Yeah. In Bedknobs and Broomsticks, it's always sort of been the other thing, like yeah. it, compared to like Mary Poppins, because mm-hmm. there's so many similarities. Another one being um, the, the songs are written by the Sherman Brothers yes. uh, for both movies. Everybody has always talked about Mary Poppins, and and you know, deservedly so. It's a great movie, but uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks is just also something special. Mm-hmm. And I also love Angela Lansbury because, you know, she, I grew up watching her with my parents on Murder, She Wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's had a great career. So, uh, you know, her and David Tomlinson are wonderful. The children, the actors who play the children are, mm-hmm. are solid in this. Um, you have some cameos. I, I mean, they're barely anything more than a cameo from things like people like Roddy McDowell and uh, Sam Jaffe. Um, and yeah, and this also has um, uh, animation in it. Uh, the shuffle animated scenes... Uh, where they go to the Isle of Nabumbu um, to look for mm-hmm. something uh, to help them get this final spell that, Andrew, that you know Eglantine Price is looking for, mm-hmm. and I love those animated sequences. And I, I remember um, the I was watching I, w- I watched this movie with my parents at one point, and I loved it. I think I don't remember what my mom thought of it, but my dad who. He and I often didn't agree on a lot of things, but my dad was sort of quiet on it until the animated sequences. Mm-hmm. There's like a soccer match in here, and he <laughs> loved it. I remember him laughing out loud during the soccer match. So um, I always liked that. It kind of stood out to me. Uh, and, and it's funny, too, because, you know, I, I, I had seen this movie before um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the things that happened when Who, Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out was... Um, I forget who it was. I don't know whether it was like Disney, because I think Disney that did that, mm-hmm. I think, uh, or whether it was just people in the public or what. But that was getting a, a big up because it's like, this is, I, I swear, I remember <laughs> people saying, this is the first time that they've done, you know, animation with, you know, integrated humans and animation. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, it's just, it's, you know, I remember thinking like, no, they did that in Bedknobs and Broomsticks mm-hmm. and they did that in Mary Poppins. And I'm sure mm-hmm. they did it in other movies. Uh, but that was always sort of odd to me. Yeah. That's a little side digression there, but yeah. <laughs> No, that you know the the animated sequences are definitely a highlight of the movie, and I think it actually it was nominated and maybe won uh, for its visual effects that year. Um, so yeah, it's it's technically I think it's aged well. I mean, you know, it's it's a movie from the '70s, so it's going to look a little dated, but um, overall, I think it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, one thing I'll, I'll say about this movie is that I think it's. It's, it's a very smart movie in that it doesn't condescend to kids. And I'll be honest, there's a lot, well, not a lot, but there is quite a bit of in this movie that I didn't really understand as a kid. Some of the lyrics to the songs, I really couldn't appreciate until I was a little older and then I could understand what they were saying and understand some of the words. And, um, and even kind of the setup to the movie, I wasn't, you know, as a kid, I wasn't too familiar with, you know, the impact of World War II on, on London. And mm-hmm. I didn't really understand why the kids were there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the movie does a little bit of explanation, but it's pretty quick. And, if, 
you know, if you if you're not already kind of in tune to what might be happening there, I don't know that you really get it. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, you, you kind of it feels like a real world in that sense because it, it's not talking down to you. It's presenting you with this world. And so it's a movie that you, I, th- I think you can love as a kid, but also kind of grow into and kind of understand more as you, as you grow up. Definitely. Yeah. And it also kind of bucks this trend and I don't know, you know, narratives change over the years. So I don't know whether this is still a narrative, but I remember at least back when I was a kid growing up in the eighties and I was watching this and a few other things, um, there was this narrative that had developed that said that Disney kind of went to kind of went to crap after Walt Disney died Mm. in 1966. Mm. Um, And, you know, this obviously came out five years after that. Um, The Love Bug, which, you know, you you like a lot, that came out a couple years after he died. And Mm. so, yeah, that was sort of the thing. It's just like, oh, well, you know, it took a long time for Disney to kind of, you know, get back on its feet. In fact, some folks thought it didn't happen until, you know, the 90s when they started doing, you know, things like Aladdin and and whatnot, Um, Beauty and the Beast. I don't know, though. I mean, you know, I don't know so much about the 80s, per se, but I feel like that, you know, movies like Bedknobs and Broomsticks and The Love Bug are are, um, um, are good, certainly. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether they're the exception to the rule of mm-hmm. Disney Disney not, you know, really being very good for a while there, but yeah. Well, I feel like Disney did a kind of, a lot of cheap live-action movies in the late 60s and 70s. Um, is Candle Shoes that a Disney movie? I th- that think, was from the 70s. I think so. That's not a bad movie. No. You got The Watcher in the Woods, which I think is a Disney movie. I mean, those well, aren't necessarily great, but they're like not bad either. No, I feel like, you know, it's a lot of like, I don't know, you know, like That Darn Cat and... Just those kind of... Well, that was, I think that was before Disney died, but I could be wrong. It, you, it might be, but it, I feel like they started kind of releasing a lot of movies in that, kind, in that vein. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, The Cat from Outer Space, <laughs> for example. Just kind of really light and not really great movies, but actually movies that I loved as a yeah. kid. I think back to Bedknobs and Broomsticks, though. Um, you know, we're stretching it a little bit, including it in 31 Days of Halloween. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's witchcraft, right? Yeah. And sure. another thing, and I, honest to God, um, when I was a kid, I always was spooked by the climax scene. Oh, yeah. Which features, you know, um, so the German, again, this is World War II. So some Germans land mm-hmm. uh, the coast of England by her house. And then they, they take over her house and they start to come into town. And uh, they lock her up and the kids and whatever. And so... At that point, in order to fight off the Germans, um, she conjures up some, some magic that that brings to life these suits of armor that are in a museum. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I, I knew in this, in a sense that those suits of armor were on you know quote unquote our side, mm-hmm. but I, they still scared me to death. I, oh, I yeah. was very unnerved by those those suits of armor. Oh yeah, and there's some there's some I love that climax scene too. And there's like a wonderful scene of all of those. You know, I call them like ghost soldiers. They're like animated, reanimated suit, mm-hmm. suits of armor, and then like that ghostly bagpipe player yeah. who's playing. I mean, it's, it gives me chills. I think it's just beautiful. And there's just a lot to the to the look and feel of the movie that I think is great. Even from the from the opening credits, which is like this tapestry yes. of um, you know medieval tapestry that kind of illustrates, actually ends up illustrating a lot of what we see in the movie. Um, I just think it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Now, another thing I will say about this movie, if you're unfamiliar with it and you're thinking about watching it, 
and you're either you know looking for it on streaming uh, or um, looking at it you know old we're gonna go old school look at a DVD of it and let's, mm-hmm. you know um, they they put out um, a while back the extended version mm-hmm. and I would say to not go for that one because mm-hmm. you and I grew up watching I think the the one that had been cut for I don't know if it was cut for theaters or cut for television but. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched the extended version and it throws off the pacing and yeah. it's way too long on certain parts and it's just not as good. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. I think even the version that we used to watch, um, as a kid, there were, there were, there were times when I thought it was a little long. There was some, there was a musical, one musical number in particular that just kind of dragged mm. as an adult. When I watch it, I think I enjoy it actually, yeah. but I think even today, even if you watch the the shorter version, there's a some kids might get a little bored at times, but I think ultimately it, um, it redeems itself. And yeah. So when do you give it out of ten? I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. Yeah, I'll give it a nine as well. And now it's on the tomato meter. It has a critic score of sixty six percent. Still fresh, but it's a little low for my taste. That is way too low. Uh, audience score seventy four percent. All right, so let's spend some broomsticks. Happy 95th birthday, Angela Lansbury. Yes. Thanks for listening. When you set aside your childhood heroes And your dreams are lost upon a shelf You're at the age of not believing And worst of all, you doubt yourself You're a castaway when no one hears you On a barren island